Hello, friends. It's Dr. Missy Clifton here, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Blake Williams. And we're just a couple of pimple popper MDs here today. And we're going to be doing a little breakout session with you. Literally, we're going to talk about blemishes, zits, pimples, blackheads, whiteheads, you name it. If it's got pus, we'll discuss. So I'm excited about this, Missy. You know, I think a lot of people have this perception um, that dermatologists just love popping pimples. <laughs> and that is absolutely true for me. I love popping 100%. pimples. 100%. I don't know why. It, it's something that it just brings a smile to your face. It's very gratifying. I realize a lot of people aren't like that. But obviously, <laughs> with the popularity of Dr. Pimple Popper, there's a lot of people that like to see this. So it's um, um, certainly a fun topic for people. Absolutely. Um, I, I truly enjoy that. There's really nothing better than opening up a big abscess or juicy pimple. And re- it's just, it's very rewarding. I know it sounds so disturbing, but it's it's something that, that I really enjoy as well. So let's talk a little bit about acne overall. Um, Blake, can you discuss kind of the root causes of acne and some of the myths and truths around acne? Sure. So obviously acne is uh, fairly complex and, and, and people have looked at a lot of different things, but usually when you approach it, it's a series of several uh, issues that are compound or starting about the same time. Um, one of those is, is uh, proliferation of keratinocytes in the hair follicle opening, and that kind of leads to hair follicle occlusion. So acne is a hair follicle occlusion issue. Around the same time, that usually starts first, but soon after you start getting increased oil production in the face. That uh, usually happens with the onset of puberty. Uh, and then you also have a bacterial component. It's now cutie bacterium. Uh, it's changed names a couple times, but um, uh, there's bacterial proliferation in the follicle. So uh, the bacteria actually feeds off of oil. So the oil is kind of feeding the bacteria. Uh, the bacteria likes to be in that occluded follicle. Then you get uh, surrounding inflammation. The body starts to react to it. That then gives you a raised bump or pustule, um, and then it kind of goes from there. Now, when we're thinking about acne, I, I kind of divide into categories. You may do this too. There's there's kind of your typical teenage acne, right? And when you look at that, some people just have comedones. Uh, those are blackheads and whiteheads, right? Uh, which is usually how it starts. And then you've got people that have inflammatory acne, which are red bumps and pustules. Uh, and then you've got some people, unfortunately, develop. Uh, nodules or uh, deeper-seated cysts, and, and that's obviously a more aggressive uh, uh, type. Right. I then kind of separate that typical teenage acne. You've got uh, adult acne, which really is mostly adult female pattern acne, which is a little bit different of, uh, of an animal. So you tend to see fewer number of lesions. Again, tends to be jawline, chin-heavy, deeper-seated. They hang out for quite a while, uh, but lesser in number. Tends to be fairly hormonal in a lot of cases, I think, too. That adult female pattern really does tend to be hormonal. A lot of times it uh, flares with uh, menstrual cycle. So um, you see that quite a bit uh, there too. And, and I approach treatment a little bit different um, for that pattern of acting as well. So what do you think about food and diet? So we hear a lot of people, you know, saying, if my kid's eating French fries, they're going to get more acne. If, you know, if maybe they're drinking too much milk, they're going to get acne. Um, I know there haven't been a lot of studies, but there have been some recent studies um, that show some linkage and maybe not so much other links. 
Sure. So this is actually, uh, there's been a fair amount about food and acne, and it was actually at uh, uh, the Arkansas Dermatological Society meeting. We had a, a food and acne lecture, which was a really nice uh, lecture. And there's a few things that uh, stand out that are pretty consistent across studies. Uh, one of the big ones is dairy. Um, so yeah, it's pretty clear that dairy worsens acne. Now, there's a little bit of debate. There's some evidence that doing low-fat dairy, so skim milk or low-fat milk, is maybe a little bit worse than uh, whole milk. And the other thing you got to remember is uh, sometimes when we think about dairy, we forget some of the other things, yogurt, ice cream, cheese, all, all still part of the, the dairy component. Uh, the other thing that has fairly consistent across studies is that simple sugars. Uh, so those white breads, pastas, cereals, candy, cookies, uh, a lot of the things we like to eat, <laughs> um, which certainly seem to worsen acne. I mean, you know, classically you've got, oh, well, chocolate worsens acne. And so people kind of draw from that, but um, uh, it's really that there's probably quite a bit of sugar in there. Um, right. So um, you can point the finger at particular foods, but you really probably ought to think more food groups. We would all be better without all of those simple sugars for sure. Mm -hmm. The other thing, there's some evidence for saturated fats uh, and acne. So um, um, that's something we kind of want to watch for too. Now, I see this a lot uh, in teenage patients, particularly uh, teenage boys, uh, protein powders, things like that. It seems to be um, that the protein powders, particularly if they're derived from milk, uh, I really think worse than acne. Now, some of the, as you get from protein powders into some of the other things that may be taken to increase muscle mass, uh, those seem to affect it. Um, but that's kind of a sticky subject. So, that, you know, a lot of teenage boys are trying to get yeah. bulky. They're trying to mm -hmm. look good. Um, and really, and this was part of this uh, lecture too, uh, the plant-based proteins are, are probably less likely uh, to cause acne. Now, I don't know if you've ever had pea protein uh, before, but that's what they're arguing. I have not, but I'm fascinated by that. You know, there's some things that require taste. This is not one of them. Uh, it's never good. I've I've tried it. What is times. it? What exactly is it derived from? Peas. So that's just crushed green up peas, peas. Any yeah. kind of pea. Uh, I think it's any kind of pea. Okay. Um, a lot of times they'll blend pea proteins with chia uh, chia protein. Okay. Um, there's um, obviously soy based proteins um, as well. So that's you know tofu, but they'll have soy protein powders and things like that. So that's one thing, particularly for teenage boys, that you may want to look into. Um, I love that. That's excellent. So when someone develops acne, they usually go somewhere besides the dermatologist first. Um, the acne treatment aisles in retail stores and the sheer number of products are completely overwhelming. So Blake, what do you see people trying that works in mild cases and also definitely what they should avoid? Um, over the counter. Yeah, so obviously there's there's hundreds of things. If you go into a store, it's it's overwhelming. And really, as you kind of break it down, there's there's only so many ingredients that they're actually using in these products. Um, the big ones are benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid, uh, and I do think they help in mild cases. Uh, you got some glycolic acid products that are nice too. Um, probably a little bit better for salicylic and glycolic acid with your blackhead whitehead. Mm-hmm. Type things. Uh, benzoyl peroxide may help a little bit more with the inflammatory spots. Um, the nice thing about those is that you can spread them over a fairly large area, uh, particularly the washes, uh, which can be an issue, particularly for teenagers with with back acne. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, different adapalene gel uh, used to be a prescription product. It's over the counter now. Uh, and that works pretty well in mild cases. It's obviously one of our milder uh, topicals, uh, so not going to work in kind of the more uh, significant acne cases. So those are the things I think that are out there that make sense. There are obviously a lot of products out there that you want to try and avoid as well. Now, uh, you know this even better than I do, but a lot, a lot of those over-the-counter retinols, you don't really know what you're getting with Correct. those. Um, so you've got that. There are a lot of people that will use uh, skin lighteners. So a lot of times when you get acne, you get some post-inflammatory pigment change. That's those kind of red or purple marks where you used to have that. And obviously skin lighteners are, are, are sometimes fraught with issues. So that's something you really want to discuss with, uh, with a dermatologist prior to using Absolutely. You make a really good point about um, the products that are out there on the market. The over-the-counter products really don't have a lot of regulation. Um, And the vast majority of them don't have a lot of studies to show that the compounds that they're putting together are actually stable. And in a lot of cases, those compounds break each other down and really don't work to give you the result that they want. And that's why medical-grade skincare that you can get at the dermatologist is in almost every case, significantly superior because those those stability tests have been done, those clinical studies have been done to really show that the product is going to do what it says it's going to do. Um, so not that everything over-the-counter is bad, but if something you're using over-the-counter is not really working, it's probably time to step it up to something that has a little bit more scientific backing. And I think one of the things people need to realize is that um, – you don't want to go too long with your acne treatment and not treating. And, and a lot of times it's parents that are for teenage acne that are responsible for bringing them in. Um, and, and I feel like parents don't always know exactly when the right time is mm-hmm. to bring their, their kids in. Um, you know, I would much rather see someone early before we have any scarring or issues like Absolutely. that. Um, so if you have any doubts, it's really best just to go ahead and, and, and have them come in and let us take a look and see what we can do. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it, you know, if we can get it under control pretty early, they may have some pigment change or some purple discoloration that's just a post-inflammatory issue that's going to go away. But if we really let cystic acne or even severe inflammatory acne go for a long time, it can cause some long-term scarring that can be harder to harder to really resolve. So really the earlier the better. If the over-the-counter treatments aren't working fairly quickly, please come in and see one of us. We'd be thrilled to help make sure that we keep you clear. So I do feel like we missed our claim to fame and that we didn't get to be the Pimple Popper MD TV show. So I guess this is this is going to be, maybe this will be our claim to fame, Blake. We'll see. This is, this is kind of <laughs> be the, the next best thing. Um, you know, people ask me all the time if I watch the show, and, and I, I love the show, really, so I don't know if you watch it, but I don't. I've seen a few episodes. But I mean, it's not something I, you know, honestly, it's pretty much what we do all day, every yeah. day. It's what I tell people. I'm like, well, yeah, I love it. That's why I'm a dermatologist because I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really need to go home and, and watch more of it. Um, but it is it is really interesting. And there are some people that are like us very deep down enjoy um, popping zits. And a lot of my patients come in um, with some scarring and with some major uh, post-inflammatory issues from trying to work on their zits at home. What do you, what do you tell your patients about popping pimples? Popping pimples is always a bad idea. So <laughs> the, the big issue here, like you mentioned, is, is scarring. So if you're uh, trying to pop pimples at home, high likelihood of scarring. There's actually been some people that have had issues with cellulitis or infections um, from trying to work on 
on their acne at home. Now, I'm a little bit of a picker, right? So I know mean, if we like popping pimples or a little <laughs> bit of pickers, you just got to remember to kind of keep those hands away. Now, there's obviously uh, uh, things that are sold over the counter, the comedone extractors and things like that. But the problem is that you, those aren't really designed to be used just like this where you press directly down onto the skin. And, and so there's you don't really have any guidance to do that at home. And the main thing is you want to avoid putting significant pressure, and you obviously want to avoid uh, scratching or kind of picking at the spots. Yeah, because I've seen some pretty bad infections as well. It's not good. And the infections can lead to scarring as well. Uh, so we do have a lot of things in-house that we can do um, in addition to orals and topicals for acne. Um, what things have you seen your patients use, um, Blake, that you feel like have been really helpful for their acne above and beyond the prescription medications? I really love hydrofacials. I know you, you probably do as well, do. Um, but they are fantastic in terms of uh, the way I kind of describe it to people um, is it's almost like a uh, pressure washer with a little vacuum mm-hmm. uh, for your face. And then um, it's obviously much less traumatic than someone going home and trying to poke with uh, on their own. Um, we've obviously got Diamond Glow now. Uh, yeah, I, I love both of those procedures. Hydrofacial, I love it, especially for people that have that really sensitive kind of tender inflammatory acne um, because it can be very soothing. It deep cleans the pores without a lot of exfoliation or pressure um, and just really can apply calming agents to the skin that'll help um, that acne to heal. And then Diamond Glow is probably my favorite for people that have just comedonal acne and they really need to exfoliate those those blackheads and, and whiteheads and try to get the you know, get those pores really clean. Um, but then we can also infuse um, anti-acne medications into the skin with that treatment as well. Um, and then we do see some of the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And once the acne is clear, people hate that discoloration and they hate that scarring. Um, what are some of your favorite treatments that you recommend for patients? So when we look at uh, acne scarring, um, microneedling is probably what I recommend for most most right. patients. Again, most of these are teenagers. And um, a lot of times if you catch it early, you get the microneedling done, you can make a pretty big impact in acne scarring. Now, sometimes the more severe scarring, that's where you're talking more laser resurfacing um, for those patients. The post-inflammatory erythema can be frustrating a lot of times because although it goes away over time, it can take months Mm -hmm. to go away and and it still looks like you have acne Um, and uh, really doing uh, some vascular laser work can can really speed up that process for patients yeah we can really get a lot of the redness out and sometimes even with the rev light laser which is our tattoo removal laser if there's some brown discoloration we can really work well with that Um, and a lot of times that's all you have and you really don't have depressed scars of the skin. And if you can get that gone, it really makes a big difference. But a lot of people do have, you know, the deeper, more depressed scars. And I feel like we really need at that point to do series of microneedling or even Morpheus, which is microneedling with radiofrequency energy to kind of tighten and remodel that deeper, that deeper skin envelope. And sometimes it does require even surface true laser resurfacing, um, like with Halo. So there's lots and lots of options out there. And I've even used fillers um, in some of these patients that have some of those kind of deeper kind of rolling scars. So there's a million options out there these days um, to fix the problems that acne causes. But it's also best if we can stop acne in its tracks and keep those things from happening. 
Yeah, I think it's important for people to realize sometimes they think that there's not a lot of treatments for acne, but but the vast majority of cases we can clear up the acne. So that's and if you can do that early enough to avoid scarring, it just makes things so much easier for everyone. Absolutely. So let's talk about one last thing, which is probably our most uh, powerful drug for acne that has uh, a lot of controversy around it a lot of times um, called isotretinoin. It goes by many other names, um, but it is a powerful vitamin A derivative. Tell me your thoughts on Accutane and when you use it and how you counsel your patients. So um, obviously Accutane or isotretinoin has been out for, for quite a while, and it really is fantastic in terms of what it does for acne. Uh, used to treat some other conditions too, but... Um, you know, a lot of the th- medications we have to treat problems, it's something that's an ongoing thing. So if you're on medication for hypertension, you're you're taking that generally going forward. You, you try to do some diet and exercise to lower it. Um, but what's unique about isotretinoin is it actually f- fixes the acne. So most people, once you've finished a treatment course, you stay clear. And that's there's really not that much in medicine that we have that, that does that. So right. um, it's a remarkable medication, and obviously I use a lot of it now. Isotretinone um, has unfairly, in my opinion, gotten a bad rap I agree. For, for a variety of reasons. And, and um, some of those may be somewhat political that I'm not necessarily going to dive into, but there are some side effects to it. The thing that people have to realize is that the vast majority of people go through it and they have dryness and that's basically all they have. Right. Um, realistically, the things that I tell people going into it, they are going to get dry. It's dry lips, dry nose, you can get some nose bleeds. Uh, muscle and joint pain, fairly common. Um, and occasionally I'll see headaches. Uh, but that's really pretty much the side effects we see. Um, we do, do a little bit of lab monitoring, so we'll kind of check liver enzymes and cholesterol at baseline. Um, as time has gone on, we used to be, even when I was starting out residency, we checked pretty much every month. Mm-hmm. And that's already changed where, um, in our case, we check in two months. If they're fine, we don't recheck them just because the incidence of lab abnormalities is not that that high. Um, obviously, it does cause birth defects, so that's a conversation you have to um, have, to have with uh, patients. Um, just with female patients, though, correct? That is correct. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, isotretinone is actually used to increase male fertility sometimes. So if we're having... Uh, reproductive issues, they'll actually give isotretinone to men, um, and it seems to improve outcomes there. So um, it it really only applies to women, and it only applies to the duration that you're on the medication. I think sometimes there's this false notion that uh, it affects fertility going forward or causes birth defects going forward, and that's just uh, simply not true. Yeah, like within 30 days of being off of the medication, the patient is safe to conceive, correct? That is that is correct. So it's supposed to be off 30 days. After that, um, you're safe to conceive. So um, that's obviously a big misconception. The thing I do see is, is sun sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're coming into summertime here, and you got to be aware that you burn more easily on isotretinoin. So uh, most of the time we're treating teenagers, which may not be the most reliable uh, in <laughs> terms of sunscreen or sun protection. So uh, I really probably harp on that more than I do any of the other things. Yeah, I tend to harp on that even on some of the antibiotics like Doxy and Bactrim. They can they can be a little bit sensitizing as well. Yeah, so doxycycline, you'll see the same thing. Bactrim, um, you can see that too. So really a lot of our acne treatments, you got to be careful with, with the sun exposure. So Blake, I think we've really covered a lot of acne and 
what causes it, how we treat it, and then how we deal with the repercussions of it. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. It was fun, Missy. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We want you to know that we're here for you, and it's never too early to seek help for your acne and put your best face forward. So we could talk hours on acne, but I invite you all to send us your specific acne questions. We will plan an entire follow-up episode to address any of your concerns. Email us at allthingsskin at premierderm.net. And until next time, wash your face and stop, don't pop. Don't pop.